It started in the grids. That's what we call the spread of interlocking estates on the northern bank of the Kell, the river that curls through the heart of our city and the closest we have to a ghetto. The roads here crisscross each other at right angles, and all of them are lined with identical concrete blocks of flats. At ground level, most are tagged with Eastern European graffiti. Up above, balconies trail patchwork washing in the breeze like strange flags. Each six-storey block has a small lawn surrounding it, but these token nods to greenery can't hide the blocky anonymity of the buildings behind. From above, flying into the city by plane, it looks as though someone has laid out stone hieroglyphs in endless rows and columns, or perhaps as though the river is pulling back its top lip, bearing strange grey teeth at the sky. I had the sat-nav on, and the pulsing blue arrow told me I was nearly there, but it would have been obvious enough anyway, if not from the police cordon strung across the road up ahead, then from the woman's screams. I could hear those from the end of the road. It was half-past ten on a Friday morning, a warm day, so I had the car window rolled down and my arm resting casually on the sill, sleeves rolled up, the sun gentle and pleasant on my forearm. Beyond the cordon, I could see three meat vans and four police cars parked up, the blue light on top of the nearest winking meekly in the sunlight. Grunt pool uniforms were stationed on both sides of the road, keeping rubbernecking residents from nearby blocks separated and stopping whatever stories they might have to tell us from becoming confused or exaggerated. I pulled up by the cordon. The car door echoed as I slammed it. The screams pierced the neighbourhood, an awful noise, drifting down from two floors above. It was the sound of a broken soul, the victim's mother, I presumed. In the warm, butter-coloured sunlight, the cry seemed even more incongruous. It's stupid, but there's always something a little more shocking when bad things happen in the daytime rather than at night. Detective Hicks. I showed my badge to the officer manning the cordon at this end of the street. He nodded once and lifted it for me. I said, You doing all right? Yes, sir. Detective Fellows is over there. Thanks. Detective Fellows, Laura, my partner, was standing outside Block A up ahead. She was talking to a handful of the pool officers and pointing here and there, directing them to the hundred different tasks that attend a murder scene. Under normal circumstances, we'd have arrived on site together, but I'd had the morning off for Rachel's appointment with the midwife. Laura had paged me while we were in the suite upstairs, nearly done. Rachel had been manoeuvring herself awkwardly off the bed while wiping the ultrasound gel off her stomach with bunched tissue paper, and that was when I'd felt the vibration against my hip. I'd known immediately it had to be something serious for Laura to bother me off time, but then I was predisposed to feel that way at the moment, especially in those circumstances. Any pregnancy-related activity tended to generate a frisson of dread. Whenever I thought about the baby, the world immediately became fragile and vulnerable, and it felt very much as though something could go wrong at any time. It seemed pretty reasonable to think that bad things might happen in a pregnancy, and not so much weird to extrapolate that out to the world in general. I reached Laura just as the other officers moved away to perform whatever tasks had been allocated to them. Morning, I said casually. Hicks! 
Laura was dressed in a dark trouser suit, her light brown hair cut to shoulder length. She ran a hand through it now, harried and stressed on the surface, but the hair fell back neatly in place. It took her a certain amount of time every morning to arrange it in such a way that the inevitable grabbing and clenching wouldn't do the amount of damage you'd usually expect. We had the same colour hair, and the same speckling of freckles across our nose and cheeks, and since we were both in our mid-thirties but looked younger, people often mistook us for brother and sister. That annoyed her a great deal. She knew me too well.